Pulp MX Network Production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show on RacerX.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out and donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. Legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast. I'm Steve Mathis, flyracing.com, the F2 carbon fiber helmet uh, with MIPS technology straight out of the box onto the racetrack with guys like Millsaps and Baggett and uh, Weston Pike, Trey Kennard, and many others. FlyRacing.com, they make much more than gear. Please check them out, whether it's uh, snowmobile stuff, whether it's mountain bike stuff, whether it's personal watercraft stuff, whether it's UTV, FlyRacing.com can make it. You can get it at your local dealer. And we thank the folks from Fly Racing for uh, stepping up and doing this podcast. With me in studio, another guy that Fly sponsors and this man uses and endorses fly and loves fly and he's moving on to the next chapter in his career after a uh, fantastic long career with uh, lots of race wins and uh, lots of accomplishments he's in studio the great Andrew Short. What's up, Shorty? How are you? Ah, doing good, man. Just passing through, headed to Utah, do a little trail riding and uh, eventually a rally racing in Green River. So it's cool to stop by, say hey. and Yeah. Well, let's face it. You said, hey, I'm going to stop by and let's grab some lunch. And I said, sure. And I'm basically making you do this podcast. <laughs> so that kind of works out. Yeah. Um, hey, so yeah, speaking of Fly, uh company you've been with for, for a long time and still with uh, to this day. I mean, can you ever imagine yourself putting on some other gear other than Fly Racing? Yeah, at this point, it'd be, uh, right? kind of, it's like against my religion, you know, at this point, but you know, it's been, it's been the cool, um, you know, just to see how far they've when did come. You start the people. Wearing it? When did you start wearing 2004. it? 2004. Okay. So Villeman was 04 too? Yeah. He was a fly guy in 04, 05 or whatever, right? Yeah. So yeah, I'm just picturing him and where that stuff was to where it's now. Yeah, yeah. So it's cool, and just to see the company grow, and it's always been great people involved, and their uh, mentality is still true to this day, you know. And to see the product and the business and how it's developed, mm-hmm. it's just it's cool to see their success and and where they're headed and what they stand for. How do you like your new role with Honda? I don't really know what your official title is. Yeah, I don't know if I have an official title. I think it was kind of brand ambassador, but you know, my uh, main focus is is kind of transitioned as the year has gone on is, is to work with the race team in terms of a testing role, but also media, marketing events, and uh, you know, it, it just kind of changes, and, okay. and I like that aspect. If we had a shorty pie of a hundred percent, what percent is race team? What percent is the brand ambassador stuff? What what, you, what so far? Yeah, majority of that pie is uh, working with the race team. So, mm-hmm. 
you know, on the weekends there and just finished up the big outdoor test. I was doing a lot of uh, suspension stuff at home okay. as well. And basically once Kenny got hurt, we did our uh, first evaluation of the bike um, of their current setup, which was the Sugo setup, which they Cole Sealy raced in Japan mm-hmm. and went from there. So we kind of knew a direction which we, we wanted to, to veer off on. And basically I, I come up with a few different packages for the guys to try and try to see the evolution of where it takes us. And after last weekend's uh, final test, it gave them a good uh, starting point to order parts. And mm-hmm. now the riders just have to pick out their personal preferences and, and a few things that, you know, they might like, like I might like a, a clutch setup. That's yeah. a little grabby. I feel like it's out of the gate good, but another guy might want to slip a little more, mm-hmm. you know, like those things I can't pick and choose for those guys. Yeah but I can at least go through the parts and give them uh, some direction and some options and what stuff actually even works and what doesn't. So uh, that's kind of what I've been doing and where I'm headed and on race day work with the guys a little bit. Most of those guys, like Cole has his guy with Jeff Ward, but mm-hmm. I'm working with him a little bit and, and the crew, the technicians, uh, a little communication with HRC and whatnot. How's the speed? How's the shorty speed? Mm. Like, do you feel like you've lost much? Supercross, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's something that's you, – you have to stay on it day by day mm-hmm. and keep your timing and rhythm and all that. So I can't push. I can do laps. Yeah. And uh, But, yeah, I mean, I think it's like riding a bicycle. You always have that skill. Yeah. But to ride on the edge and stuff like that, I don't have. Outdoors, I'm pretty confident that if I train, my results would be as good as they were last year. I feel like they'd be better just because of the equipment with Honda Okay. and uh, the resources and whatnot. But – yeah, I mean, I, you, you think about it sometimes, but when you're doing long motos or endurance testing, you're like, man, I'm doing a lot of riding. I should just go race. And then you're like, eh, I think I'm in a good spot. We talked to some of the uh, the Honda guys, and you could have raided the outdoors for them this year. Brayton, let's talk about Brayton. There was talk about you. Eventually, they've settled on Christian Craig. Um, why didn't you want to do it? Why did you back out of it? What was the What was the reasoning there? Yeah, I shouldn't say I could have done it, but it was briefly mentioned. Um, if you, apparently, if, you, yeah, apparently you heard that from uh, JB or or whoever. But no, it's actually, like, from Dan, from Dan. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I guess I can talk about it. But yeah, yeah. I mean, Sam uh, is is kind of the main boss, and then Brandon and uh-huh. and Dan, those guys, kind of spearhead the uh, racing ops. You know, uh, the racing side of everything and. That was kind of presented to me. If it was a, a case that they truly wanted to help with just development, it wasn't mm-hmm. so so much just racing. I feel like it would be uh, productive for me and the team. Then, yeah, I'll be all about it and help the guys. But at this point, I don't have much to prove and and not, not much to gain. Be, yep. Don't get me wrong. I love racing. Yeah. And, uh, but, but I miss it. But I don't know. Something like I talked to Brayton a little bit about it. Like, okay, Lakewood is sweet. Yeah. You know what I mean? And And you don't like the California tracks. Or you do like California tracks. So that's okay. But then there's some tracks where you're like, this isn't fun. Like it's a hundred degrees on a track you don't like. Yeah. And you're like, you remember, oh wait, like this is why it's not that much fun. Yeah. So you're lucky that you're in a, a, a place in your career that you can pick and choose. And, and, and I guess that, that in the end, that's what weighed out with like the, the non fun moments outweighed the fun moments. Yeah. I mean, I think it's awesome too. They give a, a kid like Christian the chance and the opportunity, not mm-hmm. you know, to ride a factory Honda and be in that uh, position with the team. And, and there, there's huge value in that. So I'm glad that somebody like that can capitalize on it. I've been uh, very lucky and, and blessed to, to experience that and have that for a while. So I feel like 
I don't want to say I want to wait. I don't want to waste that opportunity. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm happy that you know they're supporting other teams, the Geico kids, and and showing that uh, you know if they're invested in that program, and American Honda wants mm-hmm. to see and invest in the future, and hopefully it'll help with development too. And all around, I think everybody wins. Also, too, it must be in a nice spot for you. Like you made, you, you said earlier, this caught my ear. You said, I don't have anything to prove. And you really don't. You've, you've won races at every class just about. You never won a fourth. No, yeah, you won 40 Supercross. Which race? No, you've won everything. No, 40 overall outdoor. No, yeah. yeah I've won never, motos, motor, never, never won. got overall. That's it. Yeah. I knew there was one thing missing from your, from your resume. But in a sense, Andrew, you hung it up. And that's a nice spot to be in. Like, you don't have anything to prove. I agree. You ran a front for the longest time. So to go out there one more time and run up front, oh, I mean, you did it for 15 years. Yeah, like, well, let's be honest. I'm not going to jump in there and run up front. No, but, um, but like, whatever you do. Yeah. If you, I, you know, yeah. whatever you do. If it was similar to last year, you know, I don't know. I think they'd be gaining some in terms of development and stuff yeah, like that. Sure. They could run a lot more stuff and race with um, some data and do, do things like that. Mm-hmm. Use that opportunity to learn, but... That's where I say I feel like, you know, factory Honda at elite level, I feel like, you know, they deserve so much more. And mm-hmm. they're all very disappointed with what happened with Kenny. And, and that's racing, you know, with his injury. And uh, they look forward to him coming back. And that was the main objective is just to give him the best bike when he does come back. And Cole, obviously, he maybe might go in a different direction. And But it's good when you have two guys out there and not all the focus is on Cole because sometimes yeah. it's overbearing and, and uh, it's too much, you know, and then your mind gets thinking and there's too many people standing around looking yeah, at you and yeah. all that. So I feel like having two guys under the truck will be good for Cole mm-hmm. and also eventually uh, Kenny with development. And, and it gives uh, Christian a, a good opportunity in, in the future. S- in speaking to you all year, you're 100% content with your decision to hang it up. And and again, you just passed up a chance to ride the outdoors. So you're you're handling this well. Not everybody handles post-retirement very well i mean we know some mutual friends that you know that don't know what they're doing trying to find what they're doing we've we've seen some dark side of things if you go to ron lachine or these type of guys you never know when the adrenaline and all the focus and adrenaline ends and all the focus is off you how you handle it you're 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 doing well though yeah i'm not gonna lie to you i think racing motorcycles is (laughs) is the best job on earth you know and do I want to race? Yeah. Every time I sit up in the stands and I'm yeah. filming the guys, it looks really easy from where I sit now. And, uh, yeah, I wish I was out You're there. You're telling me I'm up in the press box saying, uh, oh, look at these guys. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm up even higher. So it looks <laughs> better. So by no means I miss it. I, I struggle with it. That's why I keep as busy as I am. You know, that's right. why I'm there at the races. I love the paddock. I love the people. I love the passion and I love seeing, uh, the, the, the best, I should say, people at the highest level of our sport mm-hmm. week in, week out. I want to surround myself around people that are smarter than me. And that's why I like being around the Honda guys. I feel like they're the best. They have the best bikes. And I feel like I can learn something and expand my knowledge. And it keeps my mind busy because if I was at home in Smithville, I would be having a lot more time, uh, trouble uh-huh. adapting to my new situation. And for me right now, I, I struggle staying present, you know, and enjoying my situation. I get to do a lot of things that I've always wanted to do, like what I'm doing right now, driving mm-hmm. to Utah to go trail ride. But at the same time, uh, I'm still trying to look forward to what's next. And that's difficult because I feel like you got to always, like in my situation, I have to create a new uh, passion or a way or new job, you know, mm-hmm. and 
I look forward to those challenges and those tests. And it's a lot different because my previous test and challenge with racing, it was really easy to see the outcome and you could see your progress or what you needed to work on. It was uh, pretty cut and clear and week in, yeah. week out, I knew where I was headed or where I was at, you yeah. know? And now I feel like I can invest and do all these things, but I don't necessarily see the results so yeah. quick. And now I'm trying to look forward to what's next and uh it's just different so yeah. there's definitely a bit of adaptation and i look forward to those challenges and tests but at the same time it's very different think about like if you're bob in accounting and you have a normal job and at the end of every day the boss comes in and goes bob you got fourth today in accounting you need to work on your decimals and your uh, accounts receivable and then bob goes okay like that's what it was like as a racer you know what i mean like yeah. every you're judged every week yeah. On your results. And now you're like, oh, okay, well. And you knew. You knew when you yeah. got back to the hotel right. room, you know, did I do my best? Yeah. Did I fall short? Right. What do I need to work on? I love that. And you're exposed, you mm -hmm. know, and you have something to work on when you wake up on Monday morning. Yeah. You know, uh, you're kind of your purpose and where you're headed, the direction, and you have other people counting on you. And I feel like you're at a high level and I feel like you're firing on all cylinders. So it's just different. Um, and there's good and bad to every situation. Yeah. So it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting to now sit back and or pull back and look and reflect of, mm -hmm. uh, do before you, and after. Do you talk to your brother-in-law, Ryan Morris about it a little bit? Mm -hmm. Do you, have you touched? I mean, he's been out of the game for a little while. Injury forced him to yeah. kind of hang it up, but he's, he's transitioned. Well, he's does, does some production testing and you know, he's at a lot of the races. He seems like he's doing well. Yeah, he is doing well. No, I've never talked to him about that no. and that transition and, you know, I feel like you always have your mentors. Yeah. You always have to have mentors wherever you're at. But, you know, looking back, like McGrath and uh, seeing Fonseca and just different people, how they've gone about and mm -hmm. how they've moved and transitioned. And you see different people, how they've uh, chosen their path. So yeah. I think more I've asked people and I've had certain mentors that I've asked and I've kind of seen it. And you kind of know, that's what you know, you kind of know when it's coming to an end. And yeah. I've uh, put myself in a you know, in the position I am where I, I, I can choose to kind of do what I want to do, but it's, it's a lot easier to, to think about it. And then when it, you have to face reality, it's right, a whole right. nother, <laughs> whole nother world. Um, what a blow for the sport and you and Honda and most of all for Kenny Roxon that he got hurt win, loser draw. Uh, it was so exciting to see him, you know, Honda banked a lot of resources on him. All of us were excited to see him. And look, I'm sure Eli Tomek and Ryan Dungey are the only two guys in the world that probably are not happy. He got hurt. They're not, they're never happy, but you know what I mean? They've, they've done, they've done, they don't deal with Kenny because he was on a roll, man. I'm, I, and I told Dan this personally, Dan Bentley at Honda, like I'm bummed for him. I'm bummed for all of Honda. It's just, and but again, as a guy that broke both his wrists or arms, what, what did you elbows? Elbows, wrist. No, okay, yeah. yeah. You know, you never mind everything else. But you know, as a guy that did that, you know him better than anybody. This, this is what happens. Yeah, I think I can relate in that aspect. That I got hurt, but you know, I wasn't when I didn't dominate. I wasn't peak no, peak but, form like he was. And yeah, you're bummed for the team and what they invested in, especially the crew that work. You know, long hours and they're invested mentally mm -hmm. in them. Uh, emotionally and physically, all that in the racing. You know, I'm a small part of the uh, of the program. So, yeah, I was definitely disappointed, but more on uh, a personal level for Kenny, but mostly for him, man. He's at a, a great point in his life, and he had a 
great opportunity and that's it shows you know that's racing and um i think he'll he'll come back and will he be the same no but i think of all people you can see he has a massive heart and he believes himself he's really headstrong and yeah i don't think he'll ever be the same but that doesn't mean he can't compete at the same level um so i think he he has a long road in front of him but he'll overcome those challenges i'm sure and he wants to do big things and in life and not just be defined by racing from what I gather. And I don't speak to him like I used to, you know, like when he first came over here. He lived with you. He lived with him and Papa. Yeah, him and Papa (laughs) for a little bit. And they're Speedos. (laughs) The banana hammock. (laughs) Yeah, just Papa. But uh, they're good people. But Kenny, he's grown up a lot since then. And he's in a different place now. He's engaged now, yeah. Yeah. I think his personal life, his racing life, I think on all different levels, he's... He's definitely matured, and he has a. I, I I believe as long as he lets his body heal and listens, and he has good people around him now that yeah. will direct him. But I think he still has um, the best days are still in front of him, and he's can kind of control his destiny. But it's not going to be easy, like you said. You know, I don't know what is in front of Dungey or where he's headed, but I yeah. think Tomac is going to be strong for a few years. He's pretty smart, and uh, there's always going to be new challenge, new challenges, new people, and. Mm-hmm new races so it'll be uh it it will give us all something to look forward to and talk about and and bench race about you're a pretty grounded individual uh even when you were you know peak andrew short i think you you did take a look around and see what what goes into a race team even when you know you were the guy one of the guys um but having said that and having known that this year in your job and and me as a former mechanic uh I think I know. I think I have a handle on this. Does it surprise you, or are you? Is your eyes open at all to what these guys? And, and I'm trying to relate it to our listeners right now. What these guys do behind the scenes? How hard these people work? Mm. Gothic and Rich and and Oscar and you know Lars and it's incredible the hours these people put in. It is incredible. And I, I mean, was did you very... know? Did you know that when you raced? Yeah, I okay, knew that. Yeah, and I yeah. had a good pulse of what was going on That's and what, what was you, invested. And you did have always your eyes were open, even when you were, you know, factory superstar Andrew Short. <laughs> oh, you <laughs> yeah, know I mean, you know? yeah. I love racing. I love all the different aspects. I love the technology. I love those people were part of my family, you know, yeah. and just as much as I was invested in racing, so were they. And I feel like. You know, you yeah. have to appreciate it, be grateful for it, and you have to understand all the the different dynamics that go into racing to be successful. And those that are only looking at one thing, I think they're missing the big picture, and they might be uh, yeah. not looking under all the stuff. I think they're I they're guarantee, selling themselves short. On I race guarantee day. you, there's riders that walk up, and I can think of a few guys that walk up on a on a Saturday morning. I have no idea how many hours their mechanic put in that week. Yeah, they just don't know. They have no idea how many hours the dyno was on or the suspension room or the motor room or whatever. Yeah. You know, I mean, by no means did I know that when I was first getting in the sport, but no, but yeah, I mean, it's, know, it's, it's crazy. And then you go experience at a place like American Honda and you see all the resources <laughs> and the different types of dynos yeah. they have and the yeah. conditions and the people and the resources. Yeah. And, you know, even like, I don't know everything that goes on in Japan. Yeah, I know yeah. I ask a lot of questions, you know, <laughs> what happens at HRC and right. how all that works and, by no means do I know how the whole program uh, goes down, but man, it takes a lot to go racing. It takes a lot of funds and money and budget, and it's astronomical how much money they spend. I do know that compared to other teams, like yeah. the team I was on last year, yeah. um, they spend pennies compared to what you know, say American Honda spends on motocross and supercross, and 
you know, so from that aspect, my new position, yeah, I, I, I have learned some in terms of like budget and stuff like that and what they, yep. what they focus to choose to spend on racing and what they do on media and how all that works and stuff like it's, that. But it's, that's yeah. why like when we talk about these teams getting a, a union or association together to help the sport, uh, or the riders themselves or whatever, that's another topic. I always say the same thing. Like Coy Gibbs and Carrie Hart and Forrest Butler have a 100% different uh, ideology on what they want from their team at the end of the year compared to Kawasaki, Honda, KTM. It is literally millions and millions of dollars wasted, not wasted, spent as a marketing machine for these OEMs. Coy Gibbs, Forrest Butler, Kerry Hart, Mike Genova, they're praying that they could take home some money at the end of the year. And you can't get everyone together when the ideology of two different people are so far apart. And I'm not saying that's good, bad, whatever it is. You can make your own judgment on that. That's just the way it is. These factory OEM teams, and I said it when Kenny jumped to RCH, JT and I got into this huge argument, probably on the air. I said, Kenny's, you cannot leave the factories. They have too much. They know too much. They spend too much. And that's just, and so until we figure that out, I don't know how we can ever get better as a team level at the sport. Yeah. And I think you bring up some good points too. And, I think it's great that, you know, you have both sides and it's scary too. I think looking at just the outdoor industry itself in the next 10 years and where that's headed. And if bike sales don't continue to be, um, they're better, they're better than they were, but yeah, for sure. I think, but all outdoor (laughs) industries, whether it's fishing and, you know, I think they're all going to suffer. All these kids are more stuck on their phone and, and virtual reality than they are getting outdoors and riding, buying motorcycles and, yeah. I think you go to the local track and you look who's riding and it's not necessarily younger people. And yeah. So that's what scares me about the factory side of it. You know, they spend a lot of money and at some point, um, hopefully they, they keep going and spending and justify this money because mm-hmm. of pride and its heritage and yeah. they truly believe in it. But I, I hope there's other ways we can get other people involved in, in just general yeah. riding, you know, well, and I feel like outdoors are, are racing itself. I feel like is shrinking. I, there's a lot of people riding outdoors and doing GNCC and mm-hmm. getting out there, and that segment's growing, and which is which is great to see. And I think they're spending a lot of money on parts and whatnot. But yeah. racing's a a whole different yeah. ball game. No, for sure. Um, okay, I'm gonna try to take off your Honda hat as much as you can right now. Okay, I know it's on there, good, and everything on the payroll. We know all that, but I really want your opinion because I think actually. Knowing you over the years, you probably have a hard time not being honest. So maybe this is just this will just be honest. You've ridden Ryan Dungey's 2016 bike. You've ridden factory Hondas for years. You rode, you tested 350s. You rode a 350. You've ridden so many factory level bikes, and now you've run a Honda, which is a new bike, new platform for 2017. Trying to be as unbiased as you can. What is the 17 Honda 450? What does it do good? What does it do bad? What what, what, what do you think of it as a bike? Because to me, as a former mechanic, like when Yamaha came out with the all-new backwards motorbike, I was all into that. And, and when KTM came out with the new bike, I find that I love these companies that are taking risks and, and doing things. And I think Honda's one of them. They did it with the 09 that maybe hit missed the mark some bit. Now they did it again with the 17. What's it like? How do you like it as a bike? Yeah. Um... Let's put it this way. I wasn't a big fan of the 16 bike okay. of the Honda. It was very different than the bike I came off of with the KTM. 
And the new bike, just the platform in terms of balance, power is definitely up. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I haven't ridden a stock one that much yeah. of the new bike. I've ridden one at the the press launch. No, I thought you kind um, of would ride a stock a little bit here and there. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I wish I had one. Honestly, actually, I don't because I have, what, okay, what a, I have the, a factory bike at home. But what does the like, factory bike do to your factory KTM from last year? I mean, yeah, yeah, the suspension. It's completely different. Well, I was more on the development side with the KTM Air Forks, and the Air Forks were great. Yep. um, That I was working on, but the Air Shock was horrible. And it was, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it didn't have a good initial movement. It wouldn't. They've scrapped it now, huh? Yeah, nobody yeah. uses. It, I don't think. I don't know. I I'm really uh, yeah. out of touch with. Uh, no, I don't. I don't think even, even in Europe. Went. I think they've they've scrapped it. Yeah, they put it on the shelf. Maybe and they'll bring it out in ten years and <laughs> try it again. Yeah, I don't know. How. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think. The direction with the motor on, on the new bike that the race team is uses, the is, Honda, yeah, yeah, yep. has gone a, a good direction compared to last year because of what Kenny was looking for, and he wanted to set it up kind of like a previous bike, and kind of opened my eyes to a few things, which, which really suits my style. Oh, okay. Um, and the suspension on the Honda is really good. I think they've benefited from the KYB Showa um, pushing each other because the, the battle, the battle. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I want to say it politically as correct as I can, but yeah, battle is the right word. No, for sure. And it really raises everyone's game, and it kind of um, it exposes everyone. They have to bring their A game. Yeah. And I think that keeps pushing them, and I think that competition is good because, you know, obviously the KTM and WP, they I think they've caught up and they've had really oh, good yeah, success. But sure. now because of that, the Japanese have had to respond and. I think uh, they're in a good spot. And so, obviously, the KTM's improved, oh, I'm yeah. sure, in, in 12 months or, you know, since September when last time I, I, I kind of got, I didn't do so much development towards the end and, of the Nationals because, <laughs> you know, I was uh, going to stop riding. But, yeah, yeah, I think the Honda's definitely in a good spot. And production-wise, you know, I think they're responding to what the consumers want. You know, they put good forks on it. And yeah. that was a choice. You know, they have a budget that they have to respond to, you know, yeah. that their bosses and they put electric start they, if you want if you want to pay the extra yeah i mean i think they had the choice and that's why they said hey put it as an option mm-hmm. give us the good forks you know like kit style yeah, yeah. forks right so you have to respect that yep and um, yeah i had a suspension guy at race tech tell me that the 2017 honda forks they're legit they are as close you can to a works fork yeah uh from years ago yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. so uh th- those things are, are good and um i've actually done some production testing i've got to ride some other brands and uh-huh. like i I've never got to ride those, you know. Yeah, and yeah. So it's interesting to kind of see where everyone's at, and I think it's really good. It's gonna, it's really good for sales, just because they have a good bike for the 450, and mm-hmm. um, I think that's helped. And the Geico program seems to be uh, um, doing okay. As they're on, you know, they've developed that bike, you know, quite right. quite a long ways, and they they're kind of benefiting from that show of KYB battle yeah. too. I think. Um, obviously. At the highest, you're going to say, you're going to give us an a, a, a answer of aluminum, but I'm really interested at your level, at the highest level, steel frames versus aluminum frames. Like if you look at a KTM, steel frames, huge forks, big old front axle, big old rear axle, like almost like they're, they're making the bike stiff via suspension. And over the years, the Japanese guys have gone to smaller shock shafts. They've gone to smaller forks. They've, they've. I think they're always struggling with the, uh, the aluminum and where to brace it, where not to brace it, where to flex it. What are the differences between a steel frame and a aluminum frame at the highest levels, at your level? What, what, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's every bike's gonna have a different feel. I mean, you can put show and KYB stuff on, 
Okay. And the bike's going to have a completely different feel. Completely just, different. Yeah. I yep. mean, I've, I've ridden both. Yeah, yeah. And it makes the bike, you know, and it's kind of all what you know. And so, so, I think you, the, so you can't make a blanket statement of this is better. No. Right. And I think certain conditions are going to suit your bike and yep. whatnot. It's just how you adapt and the people you have around. At, racing at a high level, like what you're saying, is more about the people and the direction and the knowledge that they have. And so I think that's where Kenny really benefited from having somebody like Oscar who has a suspension background. Mm-hmm. And he's also been a technician. He's worked with riders, um, the championship caliber riders for years, you know. And so he knows how to make that make his rider comfortable. And you see with the aluminum, the Japanese, I feel like they test a lot more and they're always making di- different thickness hangers yeah. and drilling holes here and there oh, for yeah. different flex characteristics. Where you see the KTM people, you know, they have three different engine hangers instead of 10. Yeah. And they're all, pre- you have an aluminum one, a steel one, and a carbon one, yeah. you know, pick and choose. Right. And then you run for the year. Where <laughs> at Honda, you have 10 and then they're drilling a two mil hole, a three mil <laughs> hole, you know, yeah. 2.5. I feel like you can get lost. Yeah. And so... For these guys that are racing, they have all these options. If they want to go through them and sort and looking for that magic setting, then great. But right. I feel like the stock. I, I feel like the 2017 bike is the closest to stock for Honda that they've had in a very oh, yeah? very long time. Okay. The 2016 bike that I rode, it was heavily modified in terms of uh, you know yeah. where they what they yeah. did and it doesn't. I'd prefer the stock one yeah. over where they went. Yeah, I always think I always say to people like. The Japanese put a lot of work and a lot of effort into that stock motorcycle. Yeah. And just bolting on everything doesn't always work. Yeah. They, they really do a lot of effort to make that bike, you know, work the best it can stock. So. Yeah. You got to have the right people around. Well, yeah. I think KTM, they race a, a fairly production-based motorcycle mm-hmm. in years past. Yeah. Um, if you had told me Andrew Short was going to retire and get into GNCCs, I'd be like, okay. If you told me Andrew Short was going to retire and he was going to ride Enduros, I'd say, okay. Uh, if you told me he was going to do rally riding and get into it and love it, I'd be like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. What is it about you love rally riding right now? It's, it's, the, it's the, the Africa to the car stuff. It, it's, it's, you know, it's falling a chart with a course. And how did you get into that? And why do you like it so much? Yeah, I basically just love riding off-road, and I don't really care about GNCC or the Enduro. Those guys are so specialized, I'd get smoked, and I uh, definitely respect the abilities that those guys have, but I don't want to do the same loop, lap after lap, okay. and just pound myself. Okay. I want to go on an adventure. I want to see new places. I want to meet new people. Yeah, yeah. It rallies awesome because it's the ultimate adventure or ultimate trail ride. You're going somewhere <laughs> new. You have a bivouac or the pits or whatever. You basically camp, hang out. It's like when you're a kid, local racing, uh-huh. right? And uh, you go to really cool places. So it's like even when I was driving here to Vegas on the way to Utah, uh, you drive through Baker, has that uh-huh. big thermometer. And for years, you right. know, you're like, man, this place is kind of a hole and whatever. Tony Lessie told me to meet him in Baker when we were going to talk about <laughs> stuff. Yeah. And it's because they have the best Euros ever. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I don't know. So they uh. have the thermometer and the best Euros. Yeah. Okay. Uh. You know, gyros. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, anyway interesting fact yeah. but yeah no, i know like i did rally training there and that's where dumont dunes is you know it's just 30 okay. minutes off and riding the canyons the mountains and you see so much and you never ever get to uh, see that stuff so it's been uh it's been interesting and there's great people and you have to think it slows you down a little uh-huh. bit so mentally you have to be pretty smart and there's some strategy i would love to do more of it i if i could you uh, did one right you did raced once you yeah got i third? did third 
Yeah, I did third. But I mean, the first day I lost an hour and a half to Ricky Brabeck. So, I mean, that tells you kind of where. Expert on goggles, by the way. Yeah. Ricky Brabeck. Yeah, he has some serious skills. But I mean, do you see this taking you to the car one day or one of these European rallies? Yeah, I would love to. But um, people, like for me, I didn't realize how much it costs just to go to Dakar. And it's it's promoted by ASO, the same promoter that does the Tour okay. de France. And it's crazy expensive. So. Yeah, but I mean, you want to get on a team. You don't have to pay if you Yeah, I team. mean, there's very few spots that will... Uh, yeah, you almost have to pay to show you that you're good, and then they'll... Yeah, it's, take, it's take difficult, you. so I would love to. I think my options are pretty limited with, you know, my only could ride, pretty much ride for a Honda team right now. Yep. And uh, they spend huge money on that project. How do you follow the course on your bike and your riding? How does that work? I mean, I'm seriously, I'm, I'm totally ignorant about this yeah so basically you have your little lunchbox which holds your map right. and it rolls you right. know and it tells you where to go but it's all in a mileage which is in kilometers it okay. tells you when your next tulip which is basically your action that you're going to take and sometimes you know you're going on your mileage or sometimes you're going on your cap heading which is at compass um so okay. sometimes you'd be in the sand dunes there's obviously no road or anything yeah. so you're going at a compass heading so there's a lot of different that's the cookie cutter yeah, version yeah, of it yeah, you know yeah. but it's it's really cool just because it is challenging and it's usually landmarks but man you do a lot of riding and i love riding in the mountains in colorado and uh -huh. places like that and seeing new things and that but rally racing it's pretty unique and i wish i could do more of it but i don't know <laughs> what the future may hold <laughs> it's crazy that you like it to me that's awesome though it's awesome you've kind of like gothic told me you're full in you're all in yeah i'd be all about stuff. it but <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Racer X Fly Racing, uh, Fly Racing Racer X podcast uh, with the great Andrew Short. Let's take a quick commercial break here and uh, listen to this commercial from uh, uh, Michelin, Michelin Starcross Five Tire, and of course the Race Tech guys. They uh, they also have a spot on here, and uh, we'll be right back with uh, wrapping it up with uh, Andrew Short. Hi, Randy Richardson from Michelin here, and I'd like to thank the Pulp MX Show listeners for your support and share some information about Michelin motorcycle tires. Michelin offers motorcycle tires for everything from cruisers to sport touring, sport bikes, and adventure touring motorcycles. And as we celebrate our 10-year anniversary of our iconic partnership with Harley-Davidson, you'll find Michelin Scorcher tires on an increasing number of factory-equipped Harley-Davidson motorcycles. New for 2017, Michelin introduces the new benchmark for sport bike tires, the Michelin Power RS, featuring many of Michelin's patented technologies, all of which contribute to the incomparable grip, handling, and flickability of the Michelin Power RS. I just want to hear the motocross stuff. Fair enough. Let's focus on the Michelin Starcross 5. Because the Pulp MX Show listeners are important to Michelin, we're going to continue to sponsor Steve's janky radio show. That's right. While I'm not like some people who say, I know everything. I do know a few things about motorcycle tires, and I'd like to share some of the key features and benefits of the Michelin Starcross 5 tires with you. And I promise it's not a bunch of corporate blah, blah, blah. The Michelin Starcross 5 tires are specifically designed for use in a broad range of conditions and terrain. They're available in sand, soft, medium, and hard versions, and are offered in 21 size and fitment applications. Yeah, you like that? In addition to the exceptional performance and durability, the redesigned architecture of the Michelin Starcross 5 features a bead profile that makes the tires easier to install. And everyone knows... Easier mounting, always a good feature. 
If you're riding on Michelin Starcross 5 tires, but you have friends that are still buying other brands, please tell them. No, 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 no. Encourage them to try a set of Michelin Starcross 5 tires. And if you haven't tried Michelin Starcross 5 tires yet, you're out of your mind, dude. Visit your local dealer or online retailer to purchase a set of Michelin Starcross 5 tires and install them on your bike. Who knows? They might just help you learn to do a backflip in a day. It worked for the Doom Goon. To learn more, visit MichelinMotorcycle.com and follow us on Instagram at Michelin Motorcycle. And we're back. Fly Racing's Andrew Short on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast. Uh, wrapping it up a little bit here, Shorty. Uh, we'll get you on the way. Um, it's always interesting. So I think Dunge hangs it up. I think he's. I mean, look, I don't know him that well. I've certainly, I don't think I'm his favorite media guy. But the way he's been saying things, the way he's been acting, um, I think he, I think his his contract's up. Roger DeCoster said we, you know, it's an open contract. Whenever he wants to sign, he signs. But I, I get the sense, Andrew, that he's he's a little bit, he's a little over it. And I'm, I mean, he's 27, 26, 27. He's got a lot of money in the bank. What do you think? Oh, it's definitely trending that way from the outside looking on. Yeah, in. again, neither one yeah. of us know, you know. Yeah. Just, yeah. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, he'll know what's inside himself, and hopefully he has no regrets and he's at peace. Yeah. And he's definitely accomplished, uh, you know, that that's up to him personally, wherever he's at. Now but, you uh, went into you went into last year knowing it was your last year, right? Like, yeah, I mean, I, I got beginning. To, I, I know the word wasn't out early, but about halfway through Soupy Cross, Soupy. Someone was like, "Hey, he's he's gonna hang it up." Yeah, I was just like, hoping I was able gonna be able to finish outdoors. I I had two big concussions. One uh, before the season started, I was supposed to go mm-hmm. to Geneva Supercross the day before, crashed, messed up my uh, shoulder, separated it, and broke my collarbone, knocked myself out bad, and that scared me yep. with the big concussion. And then I did two, three races yep. back Atlanta, Atlanta. And knocked myself out again. So I had uh, small uh, brain bleeds on all four sides of my brain. And so I definitely didn't even know if I was going to be able to ride, let alone race again. Yep. So I felt like I was at peace that I was able, I, I knew, you know, like this is it. And, and yeah. it really helped mentally just to be able to race and uh, have some closure with it. Mm-hmm. I think if I would have ended on such a sour note, not many people get to choose, you know, you're no. either forced, no. you know, financially or there's all these other reasons. Injury, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Injuries. Yeah. yeah. So I was very fortunate. No ride, no ride if you're not riding yeah, well yeah. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. You know, so Looking back, I was extremely blessed to have for it to be on my terms. Yeah. And I think Ryan Dungey is probably in the same spot. You know, I think it's up to him. It's his choice. Like you said, Roger has kind of left it up and he deserves that and more. And yep. he has, uh, I think, you know, when it's up to you, like like me, I think he's very fortunate in that aspect that it's up to him. And, and it'll be interesting to see how it works. I think you see that with Villapoto or whoever, you know, yeah. like. They're able to do that. I think it's better. Villapoto was so grouchy at the races near the end. You know, I mean, I got to know him pretty well, but he didn't want to be there anymore. And if, and he and almost like, you know, he hurt himself. Didn't ride that last year outdoors in America. And I think he, he was that was that was fine. I yeah. think he was totally okay with that. And even when he saw him, he was like, he didn't want to be at the races no. for a long time after that. And then yeah. in the last few weeks, you see yeah. him, and he's all stoked. <laughs> I know. It's cool to see. Um. What about regrets for you? Um, you have any? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, when I lost the championship 2006, I uh, I kind of just melted down and left. And not bitter, but definitely a lot of emotion and sadness. I, I wish I would have. It was in Seattle in the mud. Yeah, I wish I would have thanked the team. 
I th- I wish I would have been more mature and, and stood there and congratulated Langston and his team yep. and stuff like that. And I feel like that was a big regret on how I handled myself. Um, that's, that's, that's the biggest one, yeah. but you know, love and learn from each situation and you know, that's how it goes. Yeah. Uh, winning Lakewood national, winning the nations highlights, right? Yeah, that was big. Seattle winning the Supercross yeah. there was big. You know, f- you know, a few things like that. But can, can you believe that you won the 450 Supercross in Seattle with all that was going on with your team at the time? You're riding for the Brooks McGrath thing. You had a Honda. It was falling apart. Nobody was getting paid. It ended up being a disaster. You got picked up by KTM for was it for Supi? Was it in a, a little bit in Supercross or no? Not that year. No, no okay. I even raced outdoors. Okay, that so year. yeah, so that, you still, that. still did outdoors. And so it was a super trying year, and yet you get maybe your biggest win or the highest profile win. Yeah, yeah. funny how that works. Like just, yeah, I think it shows you know like where I was at and what I was willing. You know, I think it takes a lot of mental strength to kind of put that yeah, in a box and, and show up and be your best behind the starting gate and be able to recognize those situations and make the most of it. So, um, we've talked about this a few times, but uh, people forget that you got a you got a shot with Pro Circuit. You were a Team Green kid coming up through amateurs. And yourself and Josh Woods got a shot at Pro Circuit. And this just came up in one of my pods a little while ago where we were like, yeah, like two races. And then that's it, kid. Like, now look, Mitch doesn't swung and miss too often, but that was certainly odd. Like, to have your, you weren't a tremendous amateur racer, like on a level of Stewart or Carmichael or any of that, like, can't miss kid, but you were pretty good. And then they just kind of gave you two shots, and then that was it. See you later, kid. And thankfully, Paul Lindsay picked you up. But I remember thinking, like, okay, so this kid's going to be in the pro circuit next year. And and all of a sudden, it was like, nah, he's no good. <laughs> yeah. It was a blessing in disguise. And even going in that year to Loretta's, I did a couple nationals and supercrosses uh, for Mitch and the team. And then at Loretta's, I had to win both classes, 125 and 250. And I got first and second. Mm-hmm. And Bruce was like, ah. Uh, that's yeah like yeah like <laughs> so it was a blessing in disguise because i was able to go to motor world <laughs> i was able to uh grow and develop without that pressure and, yeah. and that uh you know that spotlight i guess you could say so i learned how to race i learned uh what it took week in week out i was around good teammates with pingree i could observe and learn and yeah. grow at my own pace and I think it all worked out. So then, even then, when I got to Honda, I really appreciated good bikes, yeah. good crew, and yeah. very thankful for Paul Lindsay and what he offered me and the team and uh, the mechanics, Loesch, and a lot of good people, Dean Gibson. There was a, yeah. Ed Longacre, a lot of good people. But uh, when I got to Factory Honda, it was a whole new world. And Yeah, you were like, <laughs> oh, hey. Yeah. <laughs> oh, was, 16 sets of foot bags to test or yeah. whatever, like you talked about. And that was probably my favorite bike. Not two, End of 2005, 2006. That was my favorite bike I ever raced because they were pouring so much money into that Honda 250F. Yeah. Was it the dual it exhaust? Like the first year of dual exhaust or no? Uh, no. Okay. It was the single. Then it went okay. to the dual. Right. 2006. But the motors were. Yeah. I mean, it had nothing to do with the exhaust. No, no. I was, was just like, think, I was trying to think of the model year, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they shifted a lot of the road race guys over to that project. Okay. And Double D was yeah. in charge of the motor. And that thing was like cheater bike. So it was. <laughs> uh, that was my favorite bike and had a lot of success on it, but it was also attributed to you know the effort and resources uh-huh. they put into it when ktm asked you to ride the 350 you did you resist were you cool with it mm, that was the best bike they had at the time the yeah. 450 at the time was uh okay. still carbureted really heavy had the three-speed gearbox the one that i was offered yeah. to ride it was not <laughs> a, a good bike so 
I knew what I was hired for when I went to that team. You know, yeah. Roger and Ian went there, and basically I was there to help them yeah. get stuff set up and going and that is that, they, is that how they framed it to you? They said, hey, listen, we're working on the bikes. We got some work to do. We know this. Come here. Help us. Is that how they yeah. framed it? Is that? Yeah, that's basically what Roger said, you know, and there, yeah. you know, and, it, and he was totally truthful and he said where it was going to go and it yeah. did exactly <laughs> what he said, you know. <laughs> it did, right? There was a lot of resources, yeah. money, funding, everything was going to change and he was spot on and, you know, he wanted me to go there because I was experienced and I could help lead a little bit with the development. They uh-huh. also had Michael Lessie yep. who they didn't have a very good relationship with at the time and they knew they had Kenny coming over and yep. Marvin. Remember, so. remember Mike won the first moto in Hangtown on a 350? Yeah. yeah just yeah. one moto. Yeah. Everyone was like, look at the bike, look at the bike. It's just, that's one of the weirder victories yeah. I think we've ever seen. And that was a couple of years maybe before Roger went, yeah. I think, right? No, so. uh, no, I think it was Roger was there then, no? No, was I think it was the year before, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was like, really strange. Yeah. And that was the whole, he, Mike said he had Navy SEAL, he was fitter than a Navy SEAL, and Chad. Yeah. <laughs> one or the overall i don't know yeah i remember i walked into ktm the first day it was basically an empty building there was one bike and it was what caroli raced at donations with that was our okay. one bike yeah. we had no parts room hardly <laughs> casey lytle was there and thank thank goodness for him he had a pretty good uh idea of where everything was at and mm-hmm. it's crazy to see how far that team's transformed and where it is today and right the hard work that they put in, it's a, it's a whole machine. It's changed a lot over there. Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And then when you add in the Husky side of things, you know what I mean? Like, it, you add that part in, and I don't I, – those guys get really upset when you say that it's a KTM, but I don't care. Yeah. It's a KTM. Yeah. But when you add in that money and that resource and everything else that's going on with those guys, you're just like, wow. Yeah. Like, holy crap, you know? Um, who do you uh, – who do you admire? Who do you respect in the, in the pits? Uh are there a couple of people that you've worked with or, or dealt with that, that you really think the world of? Like, I'll give you an example for me. Like, here's one. Ross Maeda. I don't know how much you have to deal with Ross. You know, worked at Enzo. But I think the world of Ross, I think, is a super smart guy. Every time I spend time around him, I learn something. He's, he's, he's super smart. has no ego yet. You know what I mean? He'll tell you anything. One of those guys. Somebody like that for you? Mm, yeah, there's multiple people. Yeah. And a lot of them are just friends in, in general, you know, but... Um, I think in terms of like mechanics, Frankie was always, I think I, I barely worked with him, yeah. but he was my, um, worst and best mechanic. <laughs> I think the worst mechanic on the bike, like his tension deep, but the best mechanic, cause he'll do whatever it takes for you, yeah. um, to be your best. And, uh, he's always a person I always really enjoyed being around, but all the Honda people I always got along really good with. I really like Ricky Gilmore, the oh, yeah. suspension yeah. guy. Yep. Yeah. Um, because he's always striving to be better and look outside the box. And some people that kind of rubs them the wrong way, I yeah. think, cause he's maybe too ambitious and he'll do whatever it takes. But I think he's matured a little bit recently because of his past experiences. But I love working with him and his passion just cause he wants to be the best, but there's multiple people that yeah. I love seeing, you know, that's, what's great. I think that'd be the hardest thing for me right now is if I quit racing, just stayed home and <laughs> all those relationships in the pits, it's like I know. that paddock. It goes from town to town, but um, there's some special people there. And do you want to get in the media at all? We can we can hire you, Paul Lamette. You can go and <laughs> no. cover the races. No, maybe some guys will talk to you. Yeah. Everybody would talk to you. I don't know about that. <laughs> this smiley face assassin. Yeah. For those, that was a tough time for you. Yeah. People yeah. were people were on you. Yeah. I mean, not not me. I, not fans. I think, but yeah. 
I think there's some riders that are like, this guy. Oh, for sure. This guy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always said, you got to race people the same way you want to be raced. And me and Hepler, you know, would get into it. Ferry. Ferry was my favorite person to race yeah. against with. And he beat me most of the time. It, that's another guy that, you know, you, you think in Monday morning I'd wake up and that's, that was, I'd, I would be eating, like he'd always joke with me. He was having a beer with, after the race, and chicken wings, <laughs> Ferry would be in. Oh, I'm over there trying to eat clean and do whatever it took to beat him yeah. at the end of the moto, and he'd still pop me. He had yeah. like that man strength or something. <laughs> I don't know, but I loved racing him. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, yep. sometimes I made some dodgy, stupid moves. Like well, I think anybody. everybody has, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. mean, you, yeah. you want to, you're not going to put your blinker on and let somebody go by. No, I loved racing. I loved fighting for it. I loved being next to people. And I love that moment because you can't think about anything. You know, you're just reacting to the situation and. Um, you're in the zone and, you know, I think whether you're, you snowboard or you surf and yeah. whatever sport you're into, if you, if you know that, that feeling of being in the zone, it's, it's, it's hard to replicate and you got to cherish it. What's the biggest, uh, the biggest myth that people have about, you know, being a great rider in this sport? What's the biggest myth that fans or the media or even teams have about these great riders? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I think it's pretty transparent for the most part. But I mean, there's some people that definitely uh, they. Sh- I look at them and shake my head. I, I feel like they're a little more educated and and valued other priorities. They could have a little more well-rounded career. But I think that's like any industry, one of the things but, I think about like is that you need this trainer. You need a super trainer. Yeah, I you, think the people you surround yourself with are very important. Yes, but I always got. Uh, lost that more effort and I wish I would have uh, focused maybe a little more on technique and be yep. more mentally strong. I think that was one of my biggest downfalls is I put too much uh, power into training, working hard yeah, you know, yeah. and riding my bicycle, you know, crazy yeah. distances yeah. instead of spending more time on my dirt bike. Like you did 70 miles, but you got beat. So you do a hundred the next week. Yeah. I'd <laughs> get a little lost. I wouldn't go that extreme, right, but, but yeah. yeah, I feel like, you know, sometimes that's part of the learning experience. So I, I me personally, yeah, there's all these myths, and what it works for me isn't going to work for Christoph Porcel, right? right? So, but I wish for me personally that I would have been a little more mentally strong. Somebody like you look at Grant Langston, I admire the fact that he truly believed in himself, and yeah. when it came down to it, he could perform when it mattered. I hate that fact that because he beat you and Ferry in that in that yeah. 09, 07 title. Yeah. But he almost willed himself to that, you know, you know and more power to him. You know, uh, I think screw if, you Langston. Yeah. I, I feel for me personally, if I was more mentally stronger, I would have been in a better spot. Right. Uh, and a lot more serious. So yeah. I, I think here, here's my deal. Yeah. I, I feel like the team spends so much money yeah. and resources on bikes, motors, parts. Tra- yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then they, they pay the riders, um, a handsome sum and, it's like I said earlier. I feel like they spend astronomical amounts, but I wish they would invest a little more in the in the programs in terms of the riders. And I understand why they can't do that, or their their priority doesn't align with the company philosophy. But mm-hmm. I wish you had more of a high performance director or role that somebody would take that could look at these different things and invest like a hockey in the rider. team or a football team or whatever. Yeah, exactly. They don't, they don't just sign these guys from college and or draft them and then say see you later. Yeah. And I don't know if our sport's quite at that level, but you look at right. other ones and where they uh, direct their resources or where they go and where where they're headed and, and that mentality. Uh, I think our sport could learn a lot from that. And not to say that they haven't because there's some great programs out yeah. there and all that. But for me, 
from the rider perspective, I see that, and I wish there was more uh, more opportunity there. And that's what I try to do, honestly, on the weekends is give the riders as much as I can in terms of that. And mm-hmm. it's not something that I have to do, but I would love I but, love that service aspect and giving back to people, and I wish I could do more of that. But uh, whether it's Christian Craig or Cole Seeley or Ken Roxon, you do not care which guy wins. You're there for the team of Honda. Yeah, yeah. Whatever you can do to help everybody underneath this tent, uh, do better is what you want. Mm-hmm. And and other teams and other guys, you know, because you have a team, this guy, and a team, that guy, and they're under the same tent, but they're not working together, you know? Yeah. So if you're uh, uh, an OEM manager, you're, like, scratching your head going, well, I thought we were – we're not really a team here. we got two separate camps. Yeah. You know? That, I think that, that comes a, down to leadership, though. I yeah. think if you have somebody that's uh, – you, you know, I feel like a Honda – they do a great job with that. They have equal opportunity. Um, when they line up behind the gate, they both have the same, you know, yeah. opportunities to test and work with those relationships, you know, and there's no favoritism or an A rider and B rider. So, uh, yeah. There's some, and different riders need different, yeah. you know, yeah. different areas to work on. So There's some guys in the pits that I really, they're making a lot of money off riders, and I really question their credentials. Yeah. And I really too. question why the rider would, Pay this, pay this person. Yeah. And I'm just like, what are you guys doing? I'm just a tubby media guy over here, but I've been in the pits 20 years. And I'm like, you're, you're so making mistakes that I'm just like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> but you got to live and I guess you're young and you don't know, right? Yeah. Hindsight's, yeah, it's easy to look at other people and, you know, it's one thing to live in their shoes. So I, I don't, it's, I, I think it's easier to focus on yourself. But you should, you should be, that, you should be like a, Screw Honda. You should get into business. professional babysitting. Yeah, that's what you're basically asking. Right, right. Yeah, that's what you. That. That's what you do. That yeah. You just say, look, I'm going to take you guys under my wing. If you if you're if it's two in the morning and you're going to make a bad choice, just call me and I'll tell uh, you what to do. Yeah, I'll tell you to go to bed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, Shorty. Well, uh, thank you for coming in here on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast. Uh, good, good cock. Happy retirement. I'm, I'm glad everything's going well for you. I, I cannot understand the, the uh, rally riding, but that's okay. It's yeah. fine. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yeah. And uh, have fun trailer riding up in, uh, in uh, Utah. And uh, yeah, man. Thanks. We'll see you at the races. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Miguel was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing. He's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in 
Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike, you're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like being a dead horse, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled fifth and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that air I was in, I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. Hey,